open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host of Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and sign up for your free weekly newsletter. You'll also get three free reports. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next. Welcome. You are listening to the Financial Survival Network. I'm Kerry Lutz. The date is June 21st, 2016. Hard to believe that the year is almost half over. But uh, if you've been watching the price of Bitcoin, it has been gyrating all over the place. I mean, right now, as we speak, it's trading at 665.95 per Bitcoin in US dollars. That is, it was up uh, just the other day to uh, 775 per Bitcoin. I mean, uh, you got to wonder what's going on in the world. What's causing it to go up like this? I mean, just a few months back, it was under $200 per Bitcoin. And to answer those questions you've been sending me and more, we've got Trace Mayer. Uh, you will find him at uh, bitcoin.kn. And Trace, uh, it's been a while, but it's really great to have you back on the show. Oh, wonderful to be here again, Kerry. Hey, so Bitcoin, we've uh, we've been through a lot with Bitcoin over the past few years, haven't we? Uh, yeah. What was it? The first time uh, on the show is like five bucks, I think. Oh, so man. you told me to yeah. buy it and I didn't listen <laughs> and I'm still kicking myself in the butt for it. But, you know, getting past my uh, self-loathing and uh, lack of investment uh, acumen, if you will, uh, something is obviously going on in the world. And with Bitcoin, that's making it react this way. Since gold uh, is firmly manipulated or controlled, perhaps uh, Bitcoin is now the canary in the coal mine, if you will. Yeah, it's still very speculative. We're at about a $10 billion market cap. Gold's a $6 trillion market cap. So, you know, if you thought silver was small, uh, Bitcoin's even smaller. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's there's definitely a lot happening with it. And I, I do think that the central banks, uh, they, as Alan Greenspan testified twice before Congress, they stand ready to lease gold should the price rise. So there is a concerted effort by the central banks to suppress the price. Why? Because it poses a threat that they're fiat paper franchises. And so their power to issue what we use as currency is infinitely more valuable than the price of a portfolio asset. But when they try to engage in this economic censorship or this economic repression, uh, Bitcoin is a whole new game because you're dealing with a, a censorship resistant technology, kind of like BitTorrent as opposed to Napster. But you're also dealing with an economic asset that you can take delivery of into the blockchain. And once you take delivery of it into the blockchain, you have instantly assayed both the quantity and the quality of it. So there's none of this like shipping bars around, shaving off a little bit, assaying it, figuring out whether you have gold or not or tungsten or whatever. Uh, so Bitcoin is just this whole 
whole other animal that is bringing a radical form of transparency to the current system. Yeah. And, um, you know, Mickey Fulp and I, we do a monthly major market review and we put Bitcoin on that review. Every month we go over its gyrations. And now we've uh, followed it back all the way to December 30th of 2011 when it was 472. So I'm following it year to year, December 31st. 1351 uh, of that's December 31st of 2012, December 31st of 13, 757. And I'm doing this annual. I mean, we could go peaks and valleys 1214, 319, 1215, looking at 430. And, uh, and now uh, last month, which was May 31st of 16, it was at 52230. So We've had amazing volatility in this thing. Uh, I heard that some government had seized 25,000 Bitcoins and was dumping them on the market to try to put a damper on this thing. Did you hear anything about this? I think it was uh, the government of Australia. They had seized something like 25,000 Bitcoins from a dark web service. Uh, And, you know, this gets this gets a little bit more into, you know, what is going into all of this, especially as the transactional supply dries up? It's very interesting. When Silk Road, when those coins got seized, over $100 million worth of Bitcoin, the price dropped to $60, but within a couple months, it was up to 1200 And uh, I attribute this mainly to the price elasticity of demand component for the transactional supply demand function of the Bitcoin currency. Because when we look at the supply and demand, there's two different types. There's speculative demand, which are people just chasing the rabbit, but then there's transactional demand, which is actual fundamental usage. And uh, I wrote about this in an article in December uh, of last year when Bitcoin was $385. I wrote an article, the, the, the fourth great Bitcoin uh, bull market has arrived. And, you know, since the price of Bitcoin has more than doubled, and I think we're just getting started. Uh, but, you know, you, you talk about looking at that history. I've, I've written articles at the beginning of all the major bull runs in Bitcoin, all the major bull markets. Uh, so, you know, I'm intimately familiar with the fundamentals of what's going on with this stuff. And uh, 25,000 Bitcoins is really nothing. Uh, it, you're not going to suppress any price in Bitcoin with a, a very small portion of Bitcoin like that. So you just drive it down for a day or two and then it's- uh, oh, may, may, back to May twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah. Well, twenty five thousand bitcoins. You might be able to manipulate the price for sixty to ninety minutes, but that's about it. Uh, okay. So, what's happening with Bitcoin in China? Uh, they seem to be extremely concerned there about the viability of the yuan. Yeah. So big issues with the yuan. Second, they don't have anywhere to put park excess capital to park their savings. Uh, oh, go put it in the stock market, right? But they yeah, know that's completely rigged. Real, real estate. <laughs> uh, and, and there's also getting to be a lot of just fundamental use of Bitcoin. So you've got import exporters. Uh, I was at the Latin American Bitcoin conference a few months ago and the Brazilians are, it takes takes 45 days to get approval from the central bank to send a wire. Sorry. You have to get approval on every single wire transfer that you do. And so they're actually now paying their Chinese suppliers of electronics with Bitcoins. And the Chinese, they don't want to wire in reals that gets turned into dollars that oh, gets turned into God, yuan no. that they can't then wire outside of China. So they'd rather just get Bitcoin. So, you know, we're actually seeing Bitcoin being used in these trade situations. And that's primarily how the Chinese are doing that. And of course, there's the mining 
mining industry. The Chinese are basically getting a bunch of free power from their government connections that they use to run mining machines. And then they also build the mining chips there. So in the mining industry is a billion dollar a year industry already, uh, or one of our largest industries in Bitcoin. And so they're, they're, they do a lot of mining. So you've got these two different components that, you know, they're basically using mining to get capital outside of China. They're using Bitcoin to not get capital into China in the first place, whether they're an import exporter. And then third, which I think is even smaller than the first two, is that they're just speculating on the price and get and not putting capital into the stock market. Yeah. So it represents an investment alternative. And as a result, uh, these people are effectively withdrawing Bitcoin out of the float, which therefore probably is having the effect of further driving up the price. Yeah. So the and and I like that you you're, you want to talk about the float. So when Bitcoin hit its previous all time high of like twelve hundred dollars a Bitcoin, the market cap was only about fourteen billion dollars total. And we're currently at a ten billion dollar market cap with only a six you know a seven hundred dollar price, give or take. But there are approximately two and a half million bitcoins that have been lost, or perhaps even more. They just haven't moved at all. They're presumed to be lost. If you were to correct the previous all time high uh, for these lost bitcoins, so if we're looking at like a like a if it were a stock like after dilution or whatever, then the all time high would have been closer to about six hundred eighty seven dollars a bitcoin in current Bitcoin uh, price. So, you know, running to $780 is actually like an all-time high for Bitcoin in terms of actual value that's been moved into the system. And once we move into uncharted territory like that, uh, then, I mean, who knows where it's going to stop like next time, right? Because this is going to be, this this up leg, this bull market that we're in is going to light your hair on fire. It's going to be huge. Yeah. No doubt. So what we're talking about also is that the ultimate supply, the end supply of Bitcoins is fixed. We're not going to get any more of them. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what would you do if gold went up 300%? Well, you would go out and you would, you, you would invest in gold miners. And these gold miners would go and they'd bring online mines whose quality of ore is low enough that it's now uh, economically profitable to bring these mines on, online. And so after a couple year period, you would bring in a new supply of gold, which yeah. uh, be, because you can do that when the price goes up. With Bitcoin, their supply is fixed, period. Uh, by the mm-hmm. protocol. Uh, there's only very little, little latitude in how mining works to bring production into the future, into the present from the future. Uh, and, and it's, and so when we're really looking at, you know, these stock to flow ratios, we're looking at this a very little amount of saleable Bitcoin, and that goes into calculating the price. And so is Bitcoin's first network effect of seven. There are seven network effects I've identified. Uh, but the first one is speculation as this first uh, network effect takes root, it strengthens all the other ones. Uh, but Bitcoin is just barely beginning in that regard. It's only $10 billion market cap. Discover's got a, got a market cap twice as much. <laughs> Google, Google's a, f- what, f- 400, 500 billion market cap. Apple's even more than that. Uh, uh, Bitcoin is a completely empty storage tank for wealth. And yet it's portable, divisible, transferable, uniform, limited in amount. Uh, it it has so many characteristics that people are finding useful and they're so they're beginning to use it. Yeah. So I read recently one of the main developers of Bitcoin left because the limit of the number of transactions per minute 
that you can accomplish in Bitcoin was, uh, or per second rather, was somewhere around uh, three or four uh, transactions per second. Uh, what's being done to uh, increase the number of transactions, to increase the uh, the infrastructure, to build out the Bitcoin infrastructure for conducting uh, commerce? Yeah, so this is very kind of interesting. Mike Hearn was the developer we're talking about, and he actually was, he's kind of like a, He's a second string player. He's not like on the he's not on the court as a starter, you know, but he is he is like sitting on the bench waiting to go in if someone gets injured. Uh, And he's been around Bitcoin for a long time. Uh, When he like made all this big hubbubaloo and fuss uh, and then decided to quit, he actually sold all his Bitcoins in advance of like making these announcements. So in effect, he front run the market and like screwed a bunch of people, uh, other market participants. If it were a publicly traded company, it'd be legal, basically. Uh, but you know, morals and ethics aside, uh, when he, when he made the, his whiny rage quitting post, uh, and Bram Cohen who created BitTorrent, uh, that's, he wrote a post whiny rage quit to describe what Mike Hearn did. Uh, I, I sent out a tweet. I said, I see Mike Hearn's departure from Bitcoin as bullish and we're actually <laughs> up about 70% since that's Mike Hearn left. So, you know, getting these second string loud mouth, but fairly poor players who don't put very many points on the scoreboard, uh, having them leave is actually much more conducive to the rest of the team functioning in a, in a constructive and good manner. So it's good. I think that Mike Hearn is gone. Uh, and, but some of his critique is valid in terms mm-hmm. of you know increasing Bitcoin scalability. It's just a method of how to go about doing that is different. And I think that his method is very intellectually lazy. It's not uh, a, a real technological solution. Whereas what is being worked on uh, is going to be huge. We've got something called segregated witness, witness, which is in final rounds of code testing and review right now, should be able to get rolled out pretty soon. It'll fix something called transaction mailability. We also have just activated, this is code that went out you know, six, seven, eight months ago because we, we do stuff in a very slow, conservative, safe, tested manner so that it doesn't fail like Ethereum and the DAO recently. Yeah. Failed, uh, and so this check sequence verify between these two different pieces, we're going to be able to roll out something called the Lightning Network. And what the Lightning Network is going to do is it's going to be able to enable Bitcoin to be used for trillions of transactions per second if needed, right? So we'll be able to do all, the entire New York Stock Exchange could be trading over Bitcoin in a trustless way. Um, Visa, you know, we could could easily scale up. Visa, MasterCard, Discover, all of them combined. Uh, Bitcoin will be able to handle all of that type of load and payload and, uh, and transactions and all that type of stuff. Now, it won't necessarily go on the blockchain, but it'll be able to run still in a cryptographically trustworthy way as we compartmentalize the trust into different modules that, that can then still be fed back into the main blockchain. So, you know, not to get too technological, or too deep into it. Uh, but the bottom line is the scalability issue is definitely going to get fixed and it's going to get fixed in a way that isn't just increasing throughput, but is actually increasing scalability and doing it in a way that we retain the censorship resistant nature of the protocol, which I think is a fundamental value proposition of Bitcoin. Absolutely crucial. Got to have that. Yeah, absolutely crucial. Because you can build centralized systems on top of that, but you can't build a censorship resistance system on top of a a, a censorable uh, foundation. Like it just doesn't work. Like look at Napster, you know, mm-hmm. failed. 
Why? Because it's a centralized server, even though it was uh, – so you, you couldn't build something on top of Napster because you could just shut down Napster. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Well, interesting uh, things happening there. Uh, if, if the Chinese really get going on this, if, the, if large portions of the Earth's population who have any kind of assets – start really getting scared about what's happening uh, with the global financial system, Trace. Uh, oh, this, yeah. This it's, is just the beginning. And and the other thing is there is a huge, vibrant cash market for Bitcoin. Uh, to give you an idea, I was a seed round investor in both BitPay, the largest merchant processor, and Kraken, which is one of the largest Bitcoin exchanges. If you take the combined volume from BitPay and Kraken on a daily basis – uh, the cash markets are doing multiples of that volume. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's a huge market where uh, – imagine if the, gold, if the gold market had this transactional velocity where people are buying and selling gold coins every day for physical cash. Yeah. You know, that instead of speculating on the COMEX where we've got mm-hmm. like 500 contracts for every one ounce in the, in the vault. It, yeah. I mean, we'd actually bring real price discovery because guess what? When you're trading a $100 bill or a $20 bill for some Bitcoins in person and for cash, like you, you have to be given the Bitcoin. You know, you're not going to stand for an IOU. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, much and, rather have and it's, the, yeah. and it's hundred. It's probably a hundred to two hundred million dollars a day of volume or liquidity that is just in the cash markets. Yeah. Yeah. So still so it's, relatively it's, small markets, but um, yeah, it's still but they're well, it's building. Bigger, yeah, it's big, bigger than the Guatemalan peso. Bigger, <laughs> bigger than some of these other, you know, yeah. third and fourth tier currencies. Sure. And when the when the block reward halves in about two to three weeks, you know, mm-hmm. July tenth or so, uh, the inflation rate of Bitcoin is going to be lower than all but probably twenty currencies in the world. So it's going to be one of the currencies with the lowest inflation rates. Yeah. Well, in theory, well, well, we have to go back to the U.S. dollar from 1776 to 1913, where we had an inflation rate of 0.12% a month uh, per year per annum. Um, And that's over the entire time, including wars. But there were there were periods where inflation went way up and then it deflated, came back down to earth. But uh, yeah, here we've got Bitcoin's value uh, increasing, its purchasing uh, price increasing, which means that the purchasing uh, value of the other currencies is going down. Well, it's going to be interesting here to see what happens, how this thing uh, really develops. Yeah, well, I mean, to put some numbers on it, right? Like when Bitcoin ran from, let's say, $7 to $266, there were 7 million Bitcoins that had been mined and were in Mm -hmm. existence. There will be 21 million total. They'll be distributed between now and 2140, so 120 years from now. Um, Mm -hmm. We've already mined 75%. There's 15.4 million Bitcoins total. In three weeks, the number of new Bitcoins is going to decline from 3,000 600 bitcoins per day to 1800 bitcoins per day 
Really? And then, and then in about four years, it'll decline to only 900 Bitcoins a day. So, you know, we're going from inflation rates that were 50% a year, you know, down to like 40%, 30%. Uh, then we had these big run-ups to $1,200. The inflation rate was still 25%, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, we're, when when the block reward halves in a couple in a couple weeks, the inflation rate is going to be less than five percent. Well, we shouldn't call it inflation. We should call it the well. It's it's uh, the Aust- money supply. Aust- <laughs> well, it's the that that's the yeah. definition, right? From the Austrian school, it, inflation is an increase in the money supply, yeah. and deflation is a decrease in the money supply. Because sure. uh, when we look at inflation, there's eight different types of inflation that people will talk about. There's price inflation. Right. There's increase or decrease in the money supply, which is mm-hmm. the traditional definition under the Austrian school, and there's yeah. several others. Uh, but when we look at the actual new emission of currency units, uh, I mean, how many how many, how many Yellen coin uh, coins get printed every month? How many Draghi uh, coins get minute, printed every, every month? Every minute of the and, day. <laughs> yeah, and we can't even prove how many are actually out there and in existence. And then North Korea makes a, a plate and starts stamping out more Yellen coins, you know, yeah. just for the fun of it. So <laughs> Bitcoin is is very fascinating in this regard. And uh, that we, we've got the stock of Bitcoin out there and it's pretty well established like those are strong hands you know because it's equity based instrument so all the bitcoins have to be bought and paid for pretty much Mm -hmm. the only thing you can do is create fake bitcoins if you're an exchange running a fractional system uh but then when that implodes people have to go and get real bitcoins uh and so it's going to be it's going to be very exciting to see what happens when this uh supply of new bitcoins shrinks because uh in order to meet the transactional demand, the use of Bitcoin on a daily basis, where the price elasticity uh, of demand is very close to zero, um, where where do we get the supply? And last time the block reward halved, it went from seven dollars to two hundred sixty six dollars within about a three month period. Uh, when Silk Road got seized, it went from sixty to twelve hundred in a two to three month period. So I think it's going to take a few months to actually find and reach a new equilibrium price, and then we'll be able to have the speculation up and down. But where sure. that new price is going to be met at. Uh, I just think it's going to be substantially higher than where it's been at 385. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. And hence why I wrote the article, you know, seven months ago. Hey, you were spot on. So just tell us websites, where we find you, where we read your work. Yeah, so I interview a lot of people in the Bitcoin space at my podcast. It's www.bitcoin.kn. And if people want to learn how to buy Bitcoin or store them or get, you know, if they need a new introductory site, there's bitcoin.org. And there's also weusecoins.com. And those will help people uh, get started in Bitcoin. All right. Sounds great. Always great talking to you, Trace. Been too long. We'll talk to you again real soon. And uh, hey, just a whole new experience. And we're having uh, having a lot of fun with it for sure. So be well and stay in touch. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And uh, just strap in, kick the tires and light the fires. <laughs> Will do. FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and sign up for your free weekly newsletter. You'll also get three free reports. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next. Be sure to get a copy of the free Bitcoin guide at FreeBitcoinGuide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at Bitcoin.kn.
Don't be shy. To help the show, share Bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise, spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate.